I feel like I have this huge task in front of me and I've got to compress it into just a few moments. But I feel like what I have to say to you tonight is very important, so I'm going to request that you would listen carefully and stay with me for the next few moments. I'm going to the book of Esther, chapter 4. Is there anybody here by the name of Esther? Oh, there is. All right. Well, we're going to her book, Esther chapter 4, and we're going to verse 13. If you have your Bibles, open them up. If not, please look up on the wall, and let's read. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not within, with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer, Go. Gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. I have a message tonight. I'm going to bring it to you, and I hope that you will receive it. It's called a warning and a blessing. Amen. A warning and a blessing. Would you lift your voices to the Lord? I give you praise, God. You're so good. You're so gracious and kind, slow to anger and of great mercy. And Lord, we stand here tonight thankful for your precious blood, your mercy, Lord, that's over each one of these precious people. I pray your blessings and your mercy, Lord. I pray the covering of the presence of God over this place, over the people who are worshiping with us online. Lord God, and those who are here in this building tonight, I pray for a special anointing upon me, Lord. I need you right now, and I give you praise. I give you glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. God bless you. You may be seated. Hadassah was an orphan who was adopted and raised by her cousin Mordecai. And God gave Hadassah an incredible opportunity to become Queen Esther, Queen of the Persian Empire. And she rose to the challenge and she took that opportunity. One of the lessons that we learned from this very courageous young lady is that when the opportunity of a lifetime knocks, you have to get up and answer the door. Because this little Jewish orphan got up and answered the door, she is forever remembered and honored among the heroic women of the Bible. Almighty God gave her the opportunity of 
a lifetime, and she accepted. Not realizing at the time that God's purpose in calling and elevating her was more far-reaching than for her personal desires and gain, but it would be a miracle that would encompass the entire nation of Jews and Israelites. No, God called and commissioned her as queen to save the entire Jewish people from genocide. Her adopted dad, Mordecai, found out that wicked Haman intended to utterly wipe the Jews from the face of the earth after Hadassah had become queen, and he sent her this warning. He says to her, Don't imagine that you are safer than any other Jew because you are in the royal palace. He said, If you remain silent at a time like this, help will come from heaven to the Jews, and they will be saved, but you will die, and your father's family will come to an end. And once again, courageous Esther rose to the opportunity, and she said, quote, I go unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. Esther went unto the king. She faced the loss of not only her position as queen, but the loss of her life if she failed. She stood up. She took the challenge of a lifetime. She stared death in the eye and saved her people from annihilation. Esther's story is a story of courage. It's a story of willingness to sacrifice it all for the mission. And When I look in the Word of God, people of faith have always been willing to rise up and sacrifice for the cause of God. Noah gave it all to build an ark. That was great sacrifice that he spent a lifetime building an ark. But he saved his family and he saved all of us. Abraham left his comfortable and usual circumstances when he answered the call of God and the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. Moses was another guy. He refused to, to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect of the recompense of the reward. That means he had his eyes on his eternal reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Once in a lifetime, once in a lifetime, God gives an opportunity that transcends, that goes beyond the normal limits. Now the devil doesn't want you to hear this, so listen carefully. There's got to be a reason. Once in a lifetime, God reaches out and gives an opportunity that surpasses, that excels, exceeds, beats, trumps, tops, outdoes, 
anything that you could ever think of. But it only happens once in a lifetime. When God offers this kind of opportunity, He has something big in mind. God's purpose for something like this cannot be fulfilled in your spare time. Noah had to give his total attention and effort to building the ark. Trust me, it was a sacrifice. There were no power tools, but he sensed something big was coming, and boy, was he ever right. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. In the selfsame day entered Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. And he saved his family, and he saved all his descendants, which include us. Abraham couldn't stay on the couch and fulfill the call of God. He had to get up. He had to go on his journey. And he, he said he was searching for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Moses heard the call of God and left his comfortable palace and forsook his personal dream of one day ascending to the throne of Egypt. By faith, he forsook Egypt and all it had to offer so that he could fulfill the will of God. And he led God's people out of Egypt. And he gave us Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy because he got off the couch and got into the will of God. Oh, and by the way, you think Moses, do you think it was worth it? Well, what would it have been like if you could have seen that powerful wind separating the Red Sea and Moses saying, come on, and walking down in a dry path that went through the Red Sea. Moses would eat of manna. And he would have quail fall from heaven. And water from a rock. And clothes that would never wear out. Because he got off the couch. And, I, and, and I'm not going to just preach this. Because well it's a nice little sermon. I don't even know if it is a nice little sermon. But I sense that something big is about to happen, and I need you to listen carefully. Something bigger than we've ever thought about before is about to happen in more ways than one. And we need right now to hear the call of God. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I have something bigger in store than anything you have ever seen. Listen to me, please. Now is the time. It's like Elvis said, it's now or never. We have reached that place. And honestly, I have a warning and a blessing. The warning is we are running out of time. 
And the blessing is that God is ready to do stuff with us like we've never seen before, but we can't do it like we're doing it right now. It's going to require that all of us step it up a little bit or a whole lot. It's going to require us to get off the couch. Listen to me. In the parable of the ten virgins, Jesus said, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. We, we often t- talk about the five foolish virgins. But Jesus said, while the bridegroom tarried, they all, the wise and the foolish, slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was made. My brothers and sisters, it is midnight prophetically in many more ways than what you might have ever thought before. Just today, I was reading in a British newspaper that a startup tech company has invented a scannable microchip that can be implanted in arms and display people's COVID vaccination status. The Swedish company's digital implant, which by the way, I read about it, so I can explain it to you, measures seven one-hundredths of an inch by three-fifths of an inch in size, is designed so your vaccine passport pops up when you're scanned. And today, when I read, this came out today in the paper I was reading, and I know that it's been out a week or so ago, the company spokesman is saying Here's what he said today. He said, the technology is here to stay. And then he said something that really got my attention. He said, this technology exists and is used whether we like it or not. Now listen, I am not going to preach tonight to get some kind of a fear reaction out of you. That is not the will of God. God doesn't want us to be afraid. God is with us. I'm simply going to continue to talk to you for a few moments about this. We are now living at the midnight hour. At midnight, it's so easy to go to sleep. I noticed tonight while we were trying to worship God, it just seemed like it was a little struggle for some of us. Let's just be honest. And we're trying. I mean, we've been running, 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 running. And here we are tonight, and we're trying to worship God. But at midnight, your eyes get heavy. At midnight, your arms feel tired. At midnight, you feel like you just need to sleep. And the Bible says that at midnight, all the virgins slumbered and slept. I know you've heard this too, and but hear me out. You might know that within the last couple of weeks, I believe it was, the United Nations placed a giant statue in New York that resembles an end-time beast from the book of Daniel and in the New Testament book of Revelation. The UN recently tweeted a photo of the statue, and they put this caption, and I I read to you the caption that they tweeted. They said, 
quote, a guardian for international peace and security sits on the visitor's plaza outside UN headquarters. The picture that you're seeing right there is actually a picture of a statue that right now, tonight, is sitting in front of the United Nations building in New York, New York. Now, just keep that picture up for a moment because I'm going to read to you a description from Daniel and I'll read a description to you from Revelation. In Daniel chapter 7 and verse 4, the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Look at that statue. What does that look like? I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. So it talks about a beast that's like a lion that had eagle's wings. And then in Revelation 13 and 2 it says, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. His feet were as the feet of a bear. Look at the feet on that statue. His mouth is the mouth of a lion. Look at the mouth on that statue. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Listen. The beast that rises up from the sea in Daniel chapter 7 corresponds with the image that God showed in Daniel chapter 2 in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. The head of that image and the beast of Daniel 7 corresponds with the image the beast like a lion with eagle's wings is a reference to the Babylonian Empire. Now this is very important. Babylon is the source of many evil things. Remember, historically, it began at the Tower of Babel. And it began in opposition to the will and the purpose of God. The spirit of Babylon is a religious spirit that continues to this day. And it's built upon human philosophy rather than the word of God. That is the spirit of Babylon. The spirit of Babylon will not submit to God's authority. It's a spirit of rebellion that started with the Tower of Babel. And the Bible says about this Babylonian empire that a man's heart was given to it. This Babylon has a man's heart. In other words, this Babylon, in spite of being an error, can have compassion. I have told you for a long time, and I will remind you again, 
We need the love of God. We need compassion. We need kindness. We need all these things. But nothing but the truth will make you free. None of those things can be substituted. You can be sincere. You can be compassionate and be sincerely and compassionately wrong. But Babylon says, I'm going to do it my way. Now, why would this beast be placed up in front of the United Nations? And I asked God about this, and I want to, I want to share with you some thoughts that came to me. Jeremiah prophesied about the end of Babylon. Now, there's historic Babylon, there's political, financial Babylon, and there's religious Babylon, and it all combines. But Jeremiah preached and prophesied about a Babylon that will have its demise, and he described it in detail, and I want you to listen to me for a moment. Jeremiah said that an enemy out of the north will come against this Babylon and make her land desolate. Jeremiah said that this Babylon would be different than the historical Babylon. This Babylon would be an ally of Israel. This is in Jeremiah chapter 50, by the way. The prophet said that when this Babylon is destroyed... That the children of Israel and of Judah will weep and seek the Lord. Whoever this Babylon is, that the Bible predicts its demise, Jeremiah said that it is an ally of the nation of Israel. And that when it's destroyed, the people of Israel will go weeping and saying, what are we going to do now? And the Bible says, and this is another reason why we know that this is not just historical Babylon, because in Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 9, from thence she shall be taken. That could not happen in historical days. Whoever this Babylon is, she will be taken from within the borders of another country. Their arrows shall be as a, of a mighty expert man. None shall return in vain. Whoever this Babylon is, she's going to be destroyed by a force that fires arrows from within its own borders. I can hear your minds thinking. Whoever this Babylon is, in Jeremiah chapter 50, is described by him as being a nation that is obese. It says that this nation is fat as a heifer at grass. Whoever this Babylon is, Jeremiah said, uh, its mother has been sore confounded. That a previously once powerful empire has been confounded and is no longer considered to be great like it was in the time when the sun never set on that empire. Jeremiah said that whoever this Babylon is, she is the hindermost of the nations, which means the furthest from Jerusalem 
and the youngest in time. He said that this Babylon will be judged by God and that it will fall totally and completely. He says of this Babylon, this Babylon has foundations. But then he says, but her foundations are fallen. And then Jeremiah said, as she hath done, do unto her. It has to be a nation that's done something for it to be done as she has done. You can figure it out. And then Jeremiah said, you still don't get it, so I'm going to describe it a little bit better for you. He said, how is the hammer of the whole earth cut asunder and broken? Whoever this Babylon is, is considered to be the hammer of the whole earth, a shaping influence. And then he says these words that sent a chill down my backbone. He said, oh, Babylon... Thou wast not aware. Oh, Babylon, thou wast not aware. God said he would kindle a fire in his cities and it would devour. He said, now you still don't get it, so I'm going to give you some more. In Jeremiah chapter 50 and 37, he said, I'll tell you something about this Babylon. It's a nation of mingled people. You might call it the melting pot of the world. Jeremiah said, oh, there's something else I noticed about this Babylon. They shall become as women. And a sword is upon her treasures. They shall be robbed. He said something else about them you should know. They are mad upon their idols. And then in Jeremiah 51, he said, it will be a destroying wind that will come against her. In Jeremiah 51 and 7, he says, this Babylon has been a golden cup in the Lord's hand. And he said, her fall will be sudden and complete. And then Jeremiah 51 11 says, it will be bright arrows. He said, I I can't explain it to you. Just think about it in Jeremiah's day. He had never seen anything like this. He said, all I can tell you is some kind of bright arrow that's being fired from within their own country. They're not even leaving their country. They're firing bright arrows at this particular Babylon. And then another something that caused me to shake a little bit. And the Lord has raised up, and I'm quoting from Jeremiah, the Lord has raised up the spirit of the king of kings of the Medes. His device is against Babylon. What? So I looked it up and I said, who are the Medes? And it jumped out at me. It said, an, an ancient Iranian people. Oh, we don't have any devices. But Jeremiah said that the Lord had raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes or the kings of the Iranians, his device is against Babylon. 
In Jeremiah 51, 41, it says, now, and just in case you still haven't gotten it, he said, this Babylon is the praise of the whole earth. And when her end comes, it will surprise her. And then I read something else that really got my attention. Are you still with me? Just hear me out. In Jeremiah 51, 33, it indicates some kind of a space force. Would you believe that God is so knowledgeable that he would show us things in the word of God centuries and centuries ago? Look what it says. Though Babylon should mount up to heaven, and she should fortify the height of her strength, yet from me shall spoilers come unto her. Jeremiah said, I don't get it. But if she fortifies the heavens, yet from me, the Lord says, spoilers shall come. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you that the reason that that image is sitting right now in the courtyard of the United Nations is for the church to wake up. That image represents Babylon. And God wants the church to wake up. The end is near. We have one last chance to have revival. We've got one last chance to get all we got. Our neighbors are counting on us. Our brothers and sisters, daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, anybody that you've got, you better do like the angel said to Lot. If you've got any here besides, go get them. I would rather stand up here and preach something that's going to have you running the aisles and jumping up and down. But I'm preaching a warning and a blessing. Now the beast of Revelation 13 is descriptive of the one world government that is to come. That will be more beastly than all the kingdoms that have ever ruled from the beginning of times. The times of the Gentiles. This beast in Revelation 13 and 2 is another beast that, rep that is represented by this statue in New York, New York. I'm not preaching to you that you should be fearful and afraid and said, oh my God, what are we going to do? The Antichrist? No, 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 no. I'm not preaching Christ. God. I am preaching this to you tonight because God is trying to wake up his people in the United States of America in particular, and he's trying to tell us that his coming is imminent. Now listen, we get all shook up because they say, oh my God, they're going to start microchipping. Well, we've known that for years. We know there's a one world government coming. We know there's a one world monetary system. We know that. We know that everything is falling into place. What you 
need to understand is that means the coming of the Lord is that much closer. You need to look up your redemption draw thing. I don't know what you're involved in, but you better drop everything you're doing and say, okay, Lord, this is my call. Like Noah received his call to get into the ark. Like Abraham received his call, come out of Ur of the Chaldees and go to a land that I will show you. Like all the heroes and, and the heroines of the Bible that said, yes, like Esther, who said, if I perish, I perish. But this is our moment. This is our day. This is our opportunity. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go out to meet him. Don't worry about the Antichrist. Don't worry about the plagues. Don't worry about the vials. Don't worry about the seals. Just hear what I'm telling you. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. At age 12, Jesus made a statement to his mom and Joseph after they had searched for him for three days. And he said, how is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Don't you understand? I, I must be about my father's business. Folks, I don't know if I can give you what I feel like the Holy Ghost is trying to, to impart to us, but we must go after this with all of our heart, with both hands and both feet, with our heart, soul, and mind. We are the last generation. We are the last group of people that's going to be able to work for God as we have a free nation right now. We have an opportunity like no one else is ever going to have, and I do not want this opportunity to be removed from us. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Listen, the night cometh when no man can work. Okay, I love you. You're a great group of people. And I'm going to talk to you seriously now. We've gone as far as we can go with part-time, distracted, spare-time, service to the Lord. What we need to offer now is the same kind of commitment that Noah made and Esther made, Moses made. It's going to take every effort pulling together the greatest opportunity we've ever had. Part-time, distracted, unfocused, uncommitted, all that stuff has got to go. We've got to find somebody. Hey, listen, I'm really concerned tonight. I don't know if you realize it, but the night cometh when no man can work. And, and I don't know about you, but I still have loved ones out there. And, and the night cometh when no man can work. The mission that God is calling us all to will demand our best. It's going to demand that every one of us give it our best effort, our best shot to get this job done. I must consent. I must consent to be a disciple of Christ. There is a level of dedication 
that brings us from merely a believer who follows from afar to a disciple of Christ. What is a disciple? A disciple is a disciplined believer. Discipline comes from uh, disciples, the Latin word for pupil, which is the source of the word disciple. A disciple will receive discipline and will discipline himself or herself to obey rules. Something that America has completely abandoned. Just go out and make babies. Don't worry about if there's anybody that's going to take care of the kids. Let's just have fun. Where's the fun going on? Where is all the excitement? Don't worry about going to the house of God. Why? You may not be having so much fun in the house of God. You don't realize these are our last few hours and our last few moments before the rapture of the church. And God is calling to us and saying, come, come my people, come my people. Give yourself to the work of God. Tell the waitress, tell the waiter, tell the neighbor. Tell your loved one. Tell your grandchildren. Tell anybody you can. Jesus is coming. Some will not discipline themselves. They will sacrifice their calling upon the altars of fun. They'll say, well, I'm going to have some fun. And they'll give up their calling. Some will give up their calling in the last few moments before the Lord comes because of convenience. It just wasn't convenient, Pastor. And some will give up their calling because of self-will. And they'll say, well, I just believe it this way, and and I'm going to do it that way, and this is what I intend to do. Because they will not receive discipline, they pass up the greatest, most rewarding, satisfactory, blessed opportunity that's ever been offered by God. The Apostle Paul speaks of the ministry, and he says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of the evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. I'm calling I'm calling to somebody to rise up to be the disciple that Jesus Christ has called you to be. But I'm telling you right now, it's a warning and a blessing. You are absolutely running out of time. I feel like God is calling you as an individual and we as a church to be so committed to the work of God, to see what God is. We built this building with volunteer labor. This building should not be big enough to hold us. We need to begin to build another building. But how are we going to do it unless people are committed to the cause? Rise up. Be the disciple that Christ has called you to be. Listen to what I'm telling you. If therefore, Jesus said, you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? You've not been faithful in that which is another man's, Who shall give you that which is your own? No man can serve two masters. Uh Uh-oh. Spirit of Babylon doesn't like this. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Uh Uh-oh. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and money. 
impossible. While some are giving it their all, others just kind of pull an Ananias Sapphire type thing. And they want everybody to think they're doing the same thing everybody else is doing, but they're not. And the day will come when it will be revealed. Now here I am, pastor, bringing you a word. And I'm giving you a warning and a blessing. You get to choose whether you're going to be in the group that's blessed or whether you're going to be in the group that's left behind. Folks, we want to see our kids saved, do we not? We want to see this city. I feel like the biggest revival we've ever seen should happen in 2022. I believe that with all my heart. And I know in order for that to happen, we're going to have to discipline ourselves and say, okay, if I perish, I perish. But I'm going to give this every drop of my blood. I saw this, somebody put it online, and I wrote it down. You have one shot to raise your children in church. One shot. That's all you get. One. And when it's gone, it's gone forever. You can't go back. You can't get a redo. Your, your faith is often inherited, and so is a lack of faith is also inherited. And to the kids that are here, if your parents are bringing you to church, you're halfway to heaven and you don't even know it. Ladies and gentlemen, you better listen to what the pastor's saying. We are at now the point, we're at the tipping point. We either go forward and we move into the greatest revival and to the coming of the Lord, or we get so distracted that God has to say, okay, I was going to use you, but you are so busy, I will let you go, and I will get somebody else, and I will raise up deliverance from somebody else. Did he say that to Esther? I, I'm about done. This got me. In Isaiah 21 and 11, it says, The burden of Duma. He calleth to me out of Seir. Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? The watchman said, and I thought this was strange at first. He said, The morning cometh and also the night. If you will inquire, inquire, return. Come. He said, Watchman, what of the night? And the watchman said, The morning comes and, and also the night. And, and I got to tell you, it suddenly hit me. The morning is the coming of the Lord. And following, that's why it's listed first the morning and the night. Because immediately after Jesus comes and takes his people out of here, there's going to be a night like this world has never seen. From what I can see, the things that are going to happen that are horrible and going to be so ghastly will take place almost at the same instant that the rapture of the church takes place. If you love your kids, 
would you please give God your all? If you love yourself, give God your all. If you love anybody at all and you want them to be saved, give God your all. Be a disciplined believer. Be a disciple. Let God lead and guide and direct. Don't get upset over rules. Don't say, well, I love to praise God, but don't try to put any rules on me. No, be a disciplined believer. Be a disciple of Christ. We're living in a time right now where some folks are starting to walk away from their Pentecostal heritage. And they're still talking in tongues, but they don't look Pentecostal anymore. Oh, it got real quiet. They're still talking in tongues, but they don't want anybody telling them that as the church of Jesus Christ, we need to rise up and come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. There is a move on right now in the Babylonian empire that says anything goes as long as you love Jesus that's all that matters I got news for you it's a lot more comprehensive than that holiness without which no man shall see the Lord if we're going to rise to build the biggest church that Augustus ever seen, it will be because God smiles upon us, not because we are lowering ourselves to become like everybody out there. If we build a church, that is the church that God wants us to build, it will be because God smiles upon us because we're willing to walk in covenant with God. I may get in trouble for saying this, But I had a family that talked to me, and they said, Pastor, if you won't preach any standards, we're going to come to this church, and we have influence on a bunch of others, and they're going to come too. And Pastor, there's something we want to tell you. I said, what's that? They said, the anointing in your church is greater and deeper than anywhere we've ever been. We love it. And that's the only thing we don't like. And I said, did you just tell me that you felt the anointing of God in this church like you haven't felt anywhere else? And they said, yes. I said, the reason you feel the anointing of God in this church is because we are willing to walk in covenant with God. And because we walk in covenant with God, we have an anointing. If I do what you're asking me to do, we'll become nothing more than all the rest. We'll just become a group of people that meet for social purposes. I refuse in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm calling upon you to be disciplined believers, disciples of Jesus Christ. Oh, don't pick up the shovel and shovel it on somebody else. I'm talking to you. And I know there's miracles coming, but I'm, when I was praying, I, God reminded me of Acts chapter 5, and that was a miracle too when Ananias gave up the ghost. And Sapphira did too. Because 
They loved money more than loved God. And they wanted everybody to think that they were doing everything, the same things everybody else was doing. And God says, you know what? I don't like that. You're done. I got to tell somebody, the morning comes and also the night. What you're seeing is the approach of the night because you don't see all the activity that's going on in the spirit. You don't see all the activity that's going on in heaven right now. If you knew how close you were to the coming of the Lord, I wouldn't have to preach to you and say, okay, now let's just make sure we're doing everything we should be doing. Some of you wouldn't be looking at me and say, oh, pastor, do you really have to go there? Do we have to do? You wouldn't say that at all. You'd say, pastor, you know what? To make the rapture, I'll do whatever the Lord wants me to do. It doesn't matter. Hallelujah. I'm willing. Don't let me be left behind. I don't want to be one of these people that's roaming the streets after the rapture saying, oh my God, I can tell you what's going to be happening next. You know, sometimes the gifts of the Spirit start operating. And I know a whole lot more about you than what you think. I'll just leave it there. But somebody needs to say, God, for my kids, I'm in. For my family, I'm in. Preacher, you preach it straight and preach it hard. Doesn't bother me a bit. I'm in. And when the revival starts, you're going to be so pleased. Because I know that everybody I'm talking to has a heart that's compassionate. I know that you love souls. I know you do. Now it's time to say, God, I'm in. The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. The U.S. naval base on the island of Oahu, Hawaii, was subject to an attack that was one of the greatest military surprises in the history of warfare. In less than two hours, the United States Pacific Fleet was devastated. More than 3,500 Americans were either killed or wounded in two hours' time. That morning on December 7th, 353 Japanese airplanes swarmed all over the harbor. And within a couple hours, America lost eight battleships, six major airfields, and almost all of the planes that were stationed there. The surprise attack came at 7.50 a.m. But at 7 a.m., while the Japanese warplanes were 137 miles, 50 minutes away, two U.S. soldiers on a small radar station in the Pacific scanned the screen and saw dots and, and more dots and more dots and, until the whole screen was filled. And these soldiers notified their youthful sur supervisor, who was a lieutenant. No other officer was around. It was on Sunday. Lieutenant assumed these must be planes from California friendlies and without another thought dismissed the warning and he said something like, don't worry about it. 
There would have been time to scramble the planes at Pearl Harbor. There would have been time to prepare the battleships. There would have been time to shelter the men. But the warning went unheeded. And I stand here now in the fear of God. And I say to you, the morning cometh. And also the night. I think God is speaking to somebody in particular tonight. The call of God is upon your life. And you are just one whisker away from your last chance. There you have it. There's even people that are trying to serve God without giving it all they've got. And they keep going back and forth in their mind. Should I do this? Should I not do it? Should I do this? Should I not do it? Why don't you leave the gray area and dedicate your life to God and say, I've made up my mind. If somebody else does something that your pastor preaches against, you don't have to do that. You're not going to hurt yourself by being a disciplined believer, a disciple of Christ. If anything gets you, it will be the undisciplined spirit of Babylon that says, as long as you love Christ, there are no rules. The devil doesn't want somebody to hear this. I guarantee you that. I have fought a spirit all during the worship part of the service tonight. And some of you did too. Isn't that true? Some of you, while you were sitting in this service, all of a sudden didn't feel well. It's not because you're not well. It's because the enemy is fighting against you tooth and nail. And some of you who have been sitting in this service, the enemy has said, don't listen to him. It's just a scare tactic. Well, I got news for you, pal. I value my walk with God too much to do a scare tactic. I have to give an answer to God for what I preach. And because I do have to give an answer, I am not going to be the officer on deck while this ship goes down. Do you understand? We have not yet begun to fight. The greatest revival is straight ahead of us. All we need now is for some people to rise up and say, Okay, God, I'm going to give it all I've got. Everything I've got, I'm putting in this walk with God. Everybody close your eyes with me, please. Everybody close your eyes with me, please. I love you, Jesus. I love you now, Lord. Show the things that we need to know. Speak to our hearts, O God. Lord, anyone here tonight, Lord, that's battling with an evil spirit, Lord, anyone that's battling, oh God, uh, with the spirit of infirmity, anybody here tonight, Lord, that's battling against the powers of darkness, and, and those, oh God, that are here tonight, that are feeling weary in their body and weary in their spirit, God, you said that we would reap if we faint not.
And the enemy is trying to get somebody to faint. But in the name of Jesus Christ, I promise you folks, you will not over-dedicate. You don't have to worry about there being a, a cost because you over-dedicated. But there will be a problem if we under-dedicate. So I'm looking for somebody right now who would like to be a part of the biggest revival that's ever hit Augusta, Maine or anywhere in Maine. Perhaps anywhere in the Northeast. I know it's big. I don't know how big, but I know it's big. And I'm looking, I'm looking for somebody that would be willing to say, Pastor, I'm in. The morning cometh and also the night. And I, Pastor, I, I've got folks out there I love very much, and I'm in. I'm in. Let's go forward. If you're in, determined not to do it, then just be honest and just say, I'm not doing it. Don't pretend. But if you're willing to do what God wants you to do, then answer the call. Say, God, here I am. I'm willing. I'll give it everything I've got. I will not hold back anything from you, Your Honor. I will give it all I've got to serve the Lord. And I believe that there will be enough people that will respond, that we will go forward, and there will be a revival like we've never seen before. I just talked to Brother Trey Cornwell. He's going to come back and preach our youth week. We are going to have the greatest youth week in February that we've ever had as a church. But that's not all. God has got a tremendous revival for your families. Can I get somebody to help me right now to put your shoulder to the wheel and say, God, whatever it costs, it doesn't matter. I want my family saved. I want my children saved. Come on. If you're bringing your kids to the house of God, you're doing a great thing. Now let's go the rest of the way and say, okay, God, I'm in. Whatever you want, that's what I'm willing to do. We're going to pray and fast in the month of January. We're going to believe God for the greatest revival. We're going to submit ourselves to God and to His authority. And we're going to see God give us authority over the enemy. The reason the devil doesn't want you to submit to authority is because when you do, then you will take authority over the devil. He knows that. So in the name of Jesus, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That is the word of God. Hallelujah. 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 I wonder, is there anybody here right now in the name of Jesus that would just begin to praise God earnestly? Just begin to worship God earnestly. Say, God, I receive your word. I'm going to be a part of the blessing and not the warning. God, I, I, don't, I don't want to be a part of those people, Lord God, that are going to be missing the rapture, but I want to be a part of the people, God, that's ready for the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to be used of God to do the will of God. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Here I am. I give all myself to you. 
You don't have to be afraid if you're willing to give God your all. He's going to help you. I know very well you're going to do well. I know very well that you're going to do great, that God has His hand upon your life. Here I am, Jesus. Here I am. Here I am. I will hold nothing back from you, Lord. I will hold nothing back from you. Here I am, Jesus. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. I will hold nothing back from you. I give my heart, my life, my all to you, Lord. Here I am, Jesus. Here I am. Hallelujah. Come on, church. That's it. The enemy's trying to hold you back, but just go ahead and praise God. I know you might be a little tired, but just give God a little bit more praise. Something's going on right now. You're breaking through something. You're a good person. God's got his hand upon your life. Come on. In the name of Jesus, God, you brought us to this church for a reason. You brought us to this church for a purpose. Now let the purpose of God be accomplished. In the name of Jesus, thy kingdom come. Yes, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I give you praise. I give you praise.